Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast. Hello, Bobby, and happy birthday to you. I know I've said happy birthday, but listeners, Bobby Morell is another year older. Yes. Yeah, and I'm delighted to be another year older. Thank you for drawing the listeners to that fact. But actually, that was yesterday. I had a very pleasant day off. And uh, yeah, I always take the day off on my birthday. I think everyone should have the day off on their birthday. I think it's a nice thing to do. And your Um, best present is yet to come from me. Oh, yes, yes. An excellent load of beer, which is going to go down very well, thank you. It's going to be driven to you. I, I thought of wrestling it on the tube, but... No, 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 no. Could have quite a few conversations. <laughs> have you have you just returned from Munich? Might be one of them. München, absolutely. München. But you have so, yes. to find München beer coming your way. That's lovely, thank you. And it is November after all, which makes me a Scorpio. I've always wondered, what, what's your star sign? I'm an Aquarian. Ah, which is not which a water is, sign. It's no, an air sign. That's right. Even though you see the guy mm. with the water on his back. Whereas me, I have the world on mine, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whereas I am, I am, but Scorpio is a water sign. That's right. That's right. Which is also odd because scorpions can't swim. So none of it, none of it correlates. None of the imagery do you, works. Do you actually believe in uh, astrology in that sense? Well, do you remember, uh, UK listeners will remember Simon Mayo. He's still on the radio, just no longer on BBC. He used to get guests on and guess their star sign. Did I he? used to do that as well. I used to be pretty good at guessing people's star sign. Okay. Um, I had a time when I listened to, oh God, I can't, Russell Grant used to read them out, you know, these sorts of people. And I began to go, right, my brother's a Piscean, I can spot all other Pisceans. Mm. Ray Walker, my landlord and mate, is a Scorpion, I can spot all other Scorpions. Uh, mm. And I began to just categorize the friends by who they mm. were. My wife mm. is, is, is a Virgo, I can spot all other Virgos. Clearly yeah. the last one's leaving the house, still tidying up. So, so, you know, it, that, that's how I did it. So I kind of believe some of it. Okay. Well, that's, that's good for you. I quite like the Chinese where they just do the whole year. You're the year of the rat. Let's, you're all rats. Maybe that's yeah. an easier way of doing things. Just just paint, paint you by a year. It's, I like uh, it. I don't think it's, yeah. I mean, it's, mm, I think it's better than tea leaves. <laughs> good. Slightly more reliable than the cards. Now, if you had enough German beer, really weak link coming now, you might move into a doze. You might be quietly quitting for the rest of the day at work. But the topic today of quiet quitting in a wholesale capacity is something else. Mm. So that's really what we're going to study today and and get into is this very popular topic, lots of people writing about it, of quiet quitting and the other part of it, which is quiet firing. If I was to Google quiet quitting and I didn't know what it meant, what might it tell me what it is? Well, I'm just trying to think if I've ever spent any time in my life doing it. I was, there, there's been a number of jobs that I've done where I've, uh, what's the word? I've sort of come to a point where I sort of realised that I can't really get any further. And there's a limit to what I can do. There's a limit to how much effort I can put in. There's a limit to, you know, where this thing is going to take me. And so I therefore start to look elsewhere and my effort and certainly my discretionary effort, i.e. effort placed in outside normal working hours, completely disappears. And therefore my belief and my, my investment in that job 
absolutely diminishes. So the diminishing effort level, mm-hmm. as you said, the discretionary effort, what you might do in and around, this is all the language of quiet quitting. You're doing it in such a quiet way, not overtly handing your notice in, but you're you're showing up, but you're yes. not really absolutely impacting the place. No. If we give it its kind of footing of where it's got some, or people have tried to contextualize it, they say that in the second half of 2021, when we're in a pandemic, is when it kicks in. And the reason why they say it kicks in in the second half of 2021 is we aren't being engaged with our work colleagues and our clients and our suppliers in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. We've had a, a complete switch to hybrid behaviors. We are meeting people on Teams, on Zoom, on WebEx calls, and so on. And we move into what is another interesting term of actively being disengaged. So it's yes. almost like an effort. I'm going to actively disengage instead, I'm going to actively cook. So that's when it kicks in. And Dr. Gallup, not that he's still alive, but Gallup, the one of the world's most respected pollster organization says that at least 50% of the workforce worldwide is quietly quitting. But then it seems sort of almost untrue to do that because they're saying within that isn't quite the highest percentage of that, which is an 18% of the 50 are actively disengaged. So if you've got 50% of people quietly quitting, but you've mm-hmm. got a kind of militant 18% who are far more serious about doing considerably less. That's the kind of world stats. What do you take um, that, if you hear that now and you're an employer, say you're employing a lot of people, how would that make you feel? Well, I'm not that surprised because we've already had the spectre of high numbers of over 50s retiring mm. early since the pandemic. So that's the first thing. You've also got more and more hybrid working and people working from home which I think must contribute to that feeling because you have more time, you're not commuting. And so you suddenly see the value of of not going to work every day. But also, I think there are plenty of people who might think to themselves, well, a few years ago, I love what I did and it was quite enjoyable and quite motivational. But the effect of the last few years has perhaps led me to a, a state where I just want to turn up do what I have to do to the minimum required level and then disappear. And that would be the biggest chunk that you just discussed. The 18%, I don't think are militant. I just think they are actively trying to get out, whether that's to retire, whether that's to find something new and more exciting. And I think you're going to have a level of that anyway. But I think the difficulty, and, and this is about when I was thinking back to my past career, I once worked for a horrendous manager. I won't say the person's name because that would be indiscreet. And things got so bad, I decided to leave. And so I started looking for jobs, but it was a really tough period. It was, it was in the late 90s. There weren't a lot of jobs going, certainly at the level that I wanted. And so it took me nearly a year to get out. For that year, I literally turned mm. up did my job to the minimum required level. I didn't put any more effort in than was required because I needed all my other energy and planning to find another job somewhere. And it is time consuming and you need to put a lot of effort in. And that manager had no idea that I was looking to go. I couldn't have told him because if I had told him, 
he would have managed me out in a few months. I mean, that's the the other serious point of it is that you can think to yourself, well, I'm going to work to a minimum level. And as long as I don't go too far over and too far under, I'll be in the kind of middle area where no one's going to get rid of me. And that will mean that I can free up time and energy to look for something else. And this comes back to, and I want to bring us into thinking about previous podcasts where we've talked about company values and company ethos. And those values are supposed to mean something to employees so that they engage with customers and demonstrate those values all the time. What happens in the current situation is that when you are quietly quitting, those values take an immense backseat and actually cease to mean hardly anything to you. And you are literally working just to survive until such time as you find something else or just to survive Mm -hmm. so you don't have too much hassle. Now, it's an interesting point. Some people would say, well, why have targets? Why have stretch things? Why push people for discretionary effort to work long hours when that isn't necessarily required because they're paid amounts of money to work certain hours? And if they do that and their performance is okay, what's the big deal? I think more interestingly, if you think about in work environments that you started in as a young man, I know I got to the world of work a bit later, often the behavior around you is the behavior that you modeled. So if somebody didn't leave on time, you thought, oh, this is work. This is the working world. If people didn't clock off. Now, I had a grandfather who had a factory and he employed a number of people in the village. What Mm. I found extraordinary, age 16, which is about the the second time I'd worked there, the first time, listeners, he paid me 60p an hour. Very generous grandfather. When he employed again, it went up a bit. There was a bell that would go off and I would see people just stopping whatever they were doing and walking out. And I remember turning to a bloke next to me and said, well, this is interesting. What's happened? Is it a fire alarm? He said, no, that's the end of the day alarm. I said, okay. But they're immediately finishing. They're not even finishing what they're doing. Whereas I had a box of old purchase ledger I was sorting out. And I thought, well, if I get that box done, I don't have to come back in the morning and finish that. I can start a new one. But I remember saying, well, you, you don't really need to do that. And I thought, okay. So he employs a lot of people who are working to the point. Yeah. They weren't quiet quitters, but there was no discretionary effort. No. And that was apparently incredibly common in factories yeah. that people yeah. wouldn't wouldn't go over the point. So I just thought there's a lot of people who aren't who don't necessarily love what they're doing here. When I started work, I was on a very low wage. And then at the weekend you could work on a Saturday morning and get time and a half for four hours on a Saturday morning. Now Saturday mornings was pretty busy. Loads of people went in because time and a half, four hours in those days was pretty good money. Mm. And so there was an incentive to do it. If there's no overtime, because that's where the factory mentality comes from, I'm getting time and a half or double time, then it's worth me staying, then I'll do it. If there is no extra money available, why would you do a minute more than is required? It's a really interesting point, isn't it? Yeah, well, it may well have been. And of course, it's so long ago that there were certain roles that were better than others. Some people were paid more and enjoyed their work more. I I remember seeing other people who loved it there, but I remember sitting amongst them and just thinking, gosh, you lot aren't liking it. Going back to something you said a minute ago, when you put your energies and effort into finding another job, Mm. that means at least you're you're going on to look for something else and you haven't quit from the workplace or from your skill as a salesperson as it would be for you. But there are people who are quietly quitting without any renewed vigor and energy to go on to something else. Sure. And we know and we've, we've talked about the people who are 59 and 60 mm. who, who, whose energies are diminishing and they don't want to learn yeah. anything new. But that, that's quite a shame, but it's real. If you're quietly quitting, but you don't have any renewed vigor, 
one of the things that we would say is that you still need to find out what the hell your purpose is. And if you've lost your way because you've been unhappy with the organization, you don't think they value any more, your work is unfulfilling, and in a sense, you've lost your purpose. You know, if we look at one of the great writers of England, Dickens, he said, if, if the work doesn't give you purpose, you'll be half the man. So he absolutely believed that invaluable work is what made up at least 50% of your character and made you feel good about life. So if you're losing a lot of your purpose, then probably you really need to look elsewhere. But interestingly, I think the pandemic has Mm. made us all question the value of work, what we actually do. If you think about lockdown, what that showed us was that actually we were spending so much time at work It was only when we actually stopped and were sitting at home that we actually realized how much that was. And I think that you recalibrate in your brain the value of that time and think, well, actually, I've been pretty damn effective from nine to five sitting at home. Why the hell would I want to get back in the car or get back on a train or get back on a bus and travel in and spend money to get to a place where I can do exactly the same thing and have distractions. I can't have a coffee when I want. I can't have a ciggy or whatever it may be that you enjoy at home. <laughs> it's a different world. And I think there is something that has shifted in people. And I think employers right now have got a much harder job to do to sell the value of working for them than they perhaps did a few years ago. And I've seen that in a, a recent summit I read about talking about attracting people to work in the travel industry and saying that they've got to find ways to sort of make it attractive to people. I mean, A, they've got to pay people more. That's the first thing I would say. But I would also say that that idea of having values and that sort of thing, I think that comes after you've sold them the brilliance of this career, this job. And I don't see a lot of that at the moment. I don't see a lot of, I see lots of vacancies, but I don't see lots of people saying, this is a fantastic opportunity for you. You know, we, we're looking for this sort of person because they don't think they need to sell that job. Well, there's hundreds of thousands of vacancies right now. You know, it's the oddest sort of downturn you've ever had. And I think we've got to do more to attract people. You're listening to Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. If you're one of our listeners who also works in a contact centre, make sure you look up our other podcast, Contact Centre Focus, available on all the major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. Maybe a lot of firms have lost visions where people are all absolutely clear on why they're engaging in a certain function, why they're in a particular department. I mean, I doubt many people go to work, even if they're sweeping, to say, I'm putting a man on the moon. You know, what an extraordinary vision that that was at NASA. It's very, very hard for for firms. They've got to work much harder at engaging people and getting them excited about the work and the work that they're doing, the work they're placing on. So let's just talk a little bit about some things that you should perhaps do if you're listening to this and you're quietly quitting. A couple of things to consider. So if it's personal, I was thinking about this, if it's personal, one of the reasons you're quietly quitting is you think she or he has it in for you and you have been overlooked, you have been misunderstood, you have been bypassed. And what a lot of people do, certain characters, they go into themselves and they don't voice it, they clam up, they go, right, well, that's it then. 
that's that's what you think of me but they don't actually have a conversation so i would encourage you to speak your mind and give the person a chance because if you don't change your behavior you're never going to change theirs so why don't you try and have a conversation with that person and say look i know you promoted such and such over me you complained about the quality of my work and you try and have it out because otherwise you're going to sit with a negative feeling what human beings do is when they don't know the whole story they write the missing scenes and they make up what the story is and people go home and go oh i think it's this and i think it's that really have you asked them no but that's what i feel well turn those feelings into language and have a conversation is my top tip especially if it's very very personal Bobby, any other tips for you to quiet quitters out there? Well, I think the other thing, linking back to this idea of working from home through lockdown and since, and uh, I read some stats the other day that the increase in home working, it's gone from about 13% before lockdown to about 30 plus percent now. So nearly a third of the workforce are either regularly or permanently working from home. That's massive. And we hit upon this a little while ago if you remember, we talked about the fact that some people working from home might be bone idle and achieve very little. But when they sit opposite each other in a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting or whatever it is you use, they come alive and they're very animated and full of ideas and people go, oh, they're good. Now, in an office, it would be different because the quieter people who may have just as much to say or just as much to contribute are in a forum in the office where they might feel more comfortable to do it. Looking at each other on a screen, that that might not be the case. And what I think we need to be careful of, if you are somebody who isn't very effusive and isn't very energetic and isn't full of strong communication skills when it comes to Zoom meetings and things like that, you might need to remind your managers and your senior people about your talents that you have that might not be displayed in that particular forum. That makes a distinction because we, you and I have also talked many times about journeymen and women who turn it on at certain points. They could easily be quietly quitting, but they turn it on in a meeting. They go, oh, they're so good. But actually, they're just, they're off, you know. So I think that's important. And I think the second thing I would add to that, and we've done a lot of work recently with managers. We've got some brilliant new courses, actually, that we're writing about remote working and leadership styles and all that sort of thing. I think that managers need to spend some time thinking about this because if you're not spotting this as a manager, then you're not close enough to your people. If you're not able to say there's something going on here I, I can't put my finger on, it's probably quite quitting. Yeah. Now, we yeah. spent quite a lot of time on that. Let's just look at the converse of that. Tell us a bit about quiet firing, Jay. Well, it, when I first heard it, I really did laugh. <laughs> I really did laugh out loud, you know, quietly firing somebody. It, it almost sounds like passive aggressiveness yes. where perhaps you're quite you thought you were getting on with somebody and they go can I get anyone a drink and they just don't ask you or as we saw Rishi doesn't hug Matt <laughs> you know, some form of slight passive aggressiveness but quiet firing which Bob has been talking about a good manager trying to get close to why someone's quiet quitting let's look at managers and leaders who are quietly firing you or quietly firing your colleagues it's somebody who has had their promotion stalled they're being given tasks but not really purposeful projects maybe the layers of bureaucracy have grown uh if you want to do that you need to fill in these forms uh, uh you need to go and talk to hr before you come to me um whoa what's my manager doing and what it means is that manager is considering you have dubious potential 
Maybe you're not the person they thought you could be. And again, it's all this other stuff. You have been overlooked. You're not being given good stuff. So you're being quietly fired. Now, the effort, which Bob hinted at a minute ago, that it might have taken a previous manager months to get rid of him. It's going to take months to get rid of you. So they'll just quietly fire you. They can bring in some other people. They can elevate the team. You're the member of the team who does other functions that need doing, but they're not necessarily wonderfully purposeful. You're being quietly fired because you're the one that's never seems to be in that room. Imagine that you walk past every, all your team cover and go, ha, ha, ha. What have you guys? Oh, we just had a meeting about, oh, I thought I was on that. No, sorry. Sorry, Jackie. Sorry, Johnny. You're not in on that. <laughs> so being quietly fired is quite literally that. It's so quiet. Yeah. It's a whisper but your value has diminished in the eyes of your leadership. I once saw a chap who was being quietly fired and it got so bad, I can't even say it. It almost makes me want to weep. But at the Christmas party, this guy was completely sidelined by almost an entire department. Um, Everyone knew that his days were numbered and it was almost as though he was diseased Mm. and people just didn't want to sit with him, didn't want to be near him. They didn't want to pretend because they all knew and he didn't. And mm. I think that's that's the classic thing. It is, it's in fact a form of bullying. It is, it is. I mean, it happens in other social groups. There are people I know who will be in a conversation with me. I don't know these people well, but they might be parents of children that mm. I also know. And they abruptly end the conversation and go and talk to someone else. I was quietly kicked out of that one. You know, they, they didn't go, Jamie, oh, I'm so sorry. God, yeah. that, I have people who look beyond me to see who else might be coming in the room who's more interesting. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. Oh, definitely. I know a guy who's a doctor. Okay, and he he's just a, a GP. Okay, uh, which is a great job to have, and I'm sure he does it brilliantly. He is one of the people I know who looks for the status people in any room, mm. in any situation, and gravitates towards them. So at a normal party with kids, chat, chat, chat seems okay. Suddenly, someone comes in who's a magistrate, straight over. Someone who's a top lawyer, straight over. Somebody who's a massive banker in the city, straight over. He doesn't hesitate for a second. And I find that extraordinary. You know, that's it's, and it's so obvious. We could do a whole episode on certain parents that who I don't know personally, but I've put some <laughs> of the quiet firing stories. Oh, uh, I can amazing. give you one, just which is Go going on. off topic, is one woman, when I held out my hand, she went, uh, no, no, I don't do names. <laughs> which I think is one of the most extraordinary turn down to being even introduced I've ever had in my life. She shook her hands away from mine and looked at me and I don't do names. Great. What that means is I don't want to know you. That's been quietly, that's no. not been quietly fired. That's been loudly fired, isn't it? I mean, that's extraordinary. It's almost like the Queen saying, I don't carry money. It's, it's yeah. a bit like that, a bit like royalty, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you don't have your hand shaken and you're told that you don't want to be known. But it's important we put it across in this context because quietly firing somebody is not really considering them overlooking. So managers, leaders, you need to give that person a chance and you need to do something called recontracting or it's an option for you. To recontract is simply that. You're going to re-sign the contract. Look, I have felt this about you. I felt that you felt this about me. I felt that you're feeling in the work. And you can decide to say, well, look, how are we going to work together in a more collaborative better way recontract your relationship recontract the work they do that is a an option for you instead of quietly firing someone the other thing i'd say is do you really want to have that 
behavior known by the rest of your team that you're capable of quietly firing somebody? Because if you do it to one person, can you do it to somebody else? Definitely. Mm. Well, I think that's a very interesting topic. That's about it, isn't it? Quiet quitting, quiet firing, yeah. I would say uh, look out for it. If you don't think you're being quietly fired or don't think that you're quietly quitting, look around yourself and make sure (laughs) because you might not (laughs) be aware yet. So look out for those behaviours. We'd love to hear any stories that you have about this sort of thing because I think it's going to become more and more of a a thing, uh, especially Mm. at the moment. And I also think this idea of discretionary effort do you work long hours? Are you expected to work longer hours? Do you reject that? And if you do, what's the response you get? We'd love to hear some stories about that too. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing that matters in this life is self-belief. So you must believe in yourself to put yourself in a different situation, whether that's a different place, a different company, a different environment. Okay, thank you, Bobby. Thank you. You can now quietly quit this episode. Bye. Bye. Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast.